0: Listen. Just listen. I'm Ozzy Totten, and you're listening to a Second Story podcast. Second Story is a hybrid performance series, a collaboration among writers, performers, musicians, and others to create good stories and good times. The stories are written by the performers themselves, sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, always thought-provoking.
1: And now, Eric Hazen. You know how disappointing your father is probably the worst feeling in the entire world? Maybe you got caught smoking, or you ditched school, or maybe, I don't know, you rolled a 200-pound solid oak table down a hill in your subdivision just to see how fast it would go. And and maybe that 200-pound solid oak table took out a chunk of your neighbor's garage, or maybe ran over his dog's tail, or went over his Pride and Joy subcompact pickup truck. Not that any of that was me. And your dad, he says, I'm not mad, son. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) And it's probably, definitely, absolutely the worst feeling in the entire world. Trust me, it is so much worse when he doesn't say anything at all. When he just gets in the car next to you, turns on the radio, a Red Wings game, and they were losing and doesn't say a word for an entire three-and-a-half-hour car trip. It's so much worse when your dad isn't just disappointed, when he's he's ashamed. See, when my family moved from the middle-of-nowhere farm town of Nunica, Michigan, to a suburb outside of Detroit called Bloomfield Hills, I had no idea that it was one of the wealthiest communities in the country. I was in the sixth grade. I knew a grand total of a half dozen facts about the world, and none of them had anything to do with wealth. I didn't know the first thing about estates or trust funds, property values, or the cost of living, or why any of that meant that my family had gone from living in a huge farmhouse in Nunica to a tiny two-bedroom apartment in Bloomfield with these dirty carpets and retro green appliances that weren't like retro like the cool orange couch you bought at Ragstock. Retro old, retro broken. We didn't really have a home anymore. We had a unit, (laughs) unit 1M. Coming from Nunica, I didn't understand the 1% or the wealth gap or the funny looks my friend's executive dads gave me when I told them that my father ran a Lowe's store on Telegraph Road. I mean, I always thought he was important. He ran a whole store. (laughs) For the first five years of my public school education, I'd gone to school with kids whose highest fashion items were the t-shirts they got on vacation to places like Jackson Hole. (laughs) Kids who brought good old PB&J and a juice box for lunch. That first day at Bloomfield Hills Middle School, I was rubbing elbows with kids who who all had other people's names on their clothes. Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein, Vera Wang, Mark Jacobs, Gucci. At lunch, these sixth graders pulled out things like grilled salmon salads with a light tomato vinaigrette. <laughs> there wasn't any chef boyardee in this cafeteria. These kids were eating carrot and ricotta stuffed ravioli. When I went home after that first day of school in Bloomfield, I told my mom I wanted a gucky shirt, that all the other kids were wearing gucky. My mom decided she had to do something. First, she taught me how to pronounce Gucci. And while my folks couldn't afford anything like that, not when they were going broke, paying for Unit 1M and its retro appliances, my mom sure knew how to sew. She bought packs and packs of Hanes t-shirts for my brother and I. And she would sew these little polo guys on the breast pocket. She sewed Nike swoops, Reebok cress, Tommy Hilfiger logos, Abercrombie and Fitch, Errol Postel, She sewed it all onto anything she got off of the sale rack. And our lunches got an upgrade too. Peanut butter was out, and ham and Swiss was in. But these weren't just any ham sandwiches. Nope. Good old mayonnaise wasn't good enough for her wannabe Bloomfield Hills sixth grader on a budget my mom started experimenting with honey mustard and ranch dressing and horseradish sauce and just about anything she could think to put on our sandwiches. I grew up thinking that the truest sign of wealth was whether or not you had honey mustard on your sandwich. (laughs) Back then, for me, it wasn't about anything other than wanting to make some friends at a new school where people valued things that I'd never even thought about before. Of course, later on in high school, I'd express my distaste with this system by wearing fishnets and eyeliner and torn-up jeans and shaving my head into a giant red mohawk that I held up with Elmer's glue, but mostly by putting anarchy symbols on every paper I turned into my teachers. (laughs) But by that last day of school before sixth grade spring break, you'd never know that we didn't live in one of those big houses in the hills. Not unless you didn't actually try one of my mom's experimental sandwiches, anyway. When I walked into math class that day, our teacher, Mrs. Cipher, this woman who rarely looked at me, just kind of like that, out of the corner of her eyes, she asked us where we were all going for spring break. I never realized what a big deal it was before. A girl sitting in front of me said that her family was planning on vacationing in the Riviera. Another kid said his family was going skiing in some place called Vail, There were kids going to Monte Carlo and Paris and Rome and tropical islands I still can't locate on a map. One kid actually sounded disappointed when he said that his family was only going to Florida. I didn't really understand that Florida was kind of slumming it to these kids, or I probably wouldn't have said, what? I've always wanted to climb Magic Mountain. I mean, I always just went to my Aunt Tasha's for break. I liked it at Aunt Tasha's. She let me shoot pop cans off of hay bales with my BB gun, and she made hamburger helper for dinner whenever I asked. This year, she was going to let me paint the garage door. After a girl named Annie explained how her family was planning on spending the break by visiting several different European cities, it became clear that it was my turn. I couldn't tell these kids I was going to spend my break shooting pop cans at Aunt Tasha's house sitting there in one of those Ralph Lauren shirts my mom had made me praying that the Haynes tag didn't pop out the back I thought about the only tropical destination that really exists to middle-class kids who don't know where the hell Monte Carlo and Vail are Hawaii I mean it's the place some Wheel of Fortune was always win- Wheel of Fortune contestant was always winning a trip to It was the place my uncle had taken his family when he got this big bonus from work. It was the beach and the ocean and drinks with umbrellas in it. It had to be glamorous. It had to be good enough, right? I tried to say it all nonchalant. We're just going to Hawaii for the week. How nice, my teacher said, still not really looking at me. She didn't seem all impre- at all impressed, and I was like, what the fuck? Saved by the Bell, the college years found it exotic enough. <laughs> but then she threw me off big time. Which island, she asked? Oh, uh, all of them. <laughs> and once I was going, there was no stopping me. It's like this whole code formed in my head. When I told my class, we'll just be laying out by the pool. I meant painting the garage door. Going to the beach was fishing for bluegill in the mill pond. Sightseeing at the volcano was helping my uncle dig a new burn pit. Dinner at the resort's restaurants and catching the entertainment was a bowl hamburger helper in front of the TV with a Red Wings game on. But you know what? It worked. When I finished, the kid that was going to veil Dave, a guy that would actually become a lifelong friend and stand up with me at my wedding, He asked me to come over. Sure, I said. Our flight doesn't leave until this evening. (laughs) My dad was going to drive me to Nunico when I got home from work. Dave's house was big. When his dad got home, he was wearing a suit. He came down to the basement where we were playing video games, and he asked me my name, and then he said, any plans for the break? I told him my lie, and he said, well, that'll be a blast, sport. My dad didn't get out of work until late. He never wore a suit to work. It was always just a pair of khakis and a polo shirt with the company logo on the pocket. When he knocked on the front door of Dave's mom, Dave's mom opened it for him. There were dust stains on the khakis. I knew those dust stains meant that it was inventory time at the store. That my dad had been down on his hands and knees counting the products with his employees. My dad was always willing to do whatever he asked his employees to do. Dave's mom and dad stood at the door talking while I grabbed my things. And you know, it wouldn't be until the next school year. It wouldn't be until a guidance counselor asked me if I'd decided what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I told him no. It wouldn't be until he said, well, you might want to figure that out. You don't want to end up working at some store like your dad, do you? It wouldn't be until right then that I understood all the implications of the look on my father's face when I turned around to see Dave's dad say, so you guys are going to Hawaii tonight, huh? My dad met my eyes across the foyer and I knew I had broken something so much more important than those retro appliances in Unit 1M. My dad didn't have much to say to me on the ride to Nunica that night, but years later... (coughs) on a flight to Mexico, a trip that had taken my folks years to save up for. My dad put a hand on my shoulder, he roughed up my hair with his other hand, these hands that had kept my belly full, kept a roof over my head, these hands that had put me through college. He said, I know it's not Hawaii, but I bet we can get you that gucky shirt on the cheap.
0: That was Eric Hazen. If his story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Please join us for our ongoing series at Webster's Wine Bar in Logan Square. Second Story Podcast is brought to you by Amanda Dalheimer, Megan Steelstra, Bobby Budrisky, Sherry Pentamone, Mikhail Fixel, Nick Kawahara, Ozzy Totten, and Eric Hazen. Second Story is funded in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, City Arts Grants, the Chicago Community Foundation, a part of the Chicago Community Trust, the Arts Works Fund, and generous support from our fans. For more information about Second Story, including a full list of our upcoming performances, information on becoming involved with Second Story, or to make a donation, Please visit us on our website at secondstory.com. I'm Ozzie Totten, and thanks for listening.